Welcome back to All the Miles Matter. Thanks for coming along for the run. This is episode 13. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a runner named Michael Laval and why he's important to the story. He is one of the best runners in Florida history, winning five state championships in track and cross country. He did not attend Lado, Largo, or any neighboring school, but he was a top rival of several Tampa Bay area standouts of the 1980s. On this show's Facebook page is video of the 1985 state meet where Countryside won the team title and Laval beat Roger Letchworth for the individual championship. Those two met again in the 1986 state meet, which is the main focus of this episode. Video of that race is also in the works. And I'll say it again, if you have a story related to this era of Florida high school running, call our hotline and leave a voicemail, 919-867-1319. If you've been with us since episode one, first of all, thank you. You know that I opened the show by setting the scene for the 1987 state meet, which we'll get back to in the closing episodes. We're also going to leave the cross-country courses and the fall running season and focus on a pivotal race in spring track season. It involves Laval, it involves Letchworth, and though it will be a little bit out of order chronologically, you'll see when we get there why it's important to the story. Michael Laval attended Boyd Anderson High School in Greater Fort Lauderdale, and he went on to be a teammate at the University of Florida with Largo's Pat McDonough and a guy you heard from in the last episode, Dan Middleman of Long Island. In fall 1985, Laval and Letchworth were juniors, and the state meet that year was the first time they competed against each other. Laval viewed that meeting as a continuation of sorts, and a preview of what was to come. If you think of runners before us, when you had Ken Cheeseman and Brian Yeager, Yeager graduated, and then there was Ken Cheeseman and Greg Green battled at the state cross country and ran in the 1440s, pushed each other. I was hoping for that for us. You know, I, I, I like battles. I did not fear competition. I felt that that's what I trained for, right, was to have someone right on my shoulder and then to see what happens from there. You know, that that's the excitement. That's the adrenaline. And that's kind of why you do that extra workout, because that extra workout means I know I have good competition. I respect my competition and uh, we're going to battle. Right. And you do that extra workout because those extra two or three seconds might matter. And uh, so I was really looking forward to that again, you know. Letchworth had four state runner-ups. He finished second in state cross-country as a sophomore. So, you know, from then on, I was pretty much expecting us to have real battles. Living in Broward County, Laval did not get many opportunities against Tampa Bay area runners such as Letchworth or Largo's McDonough, who was a year younger. In fact, Laval and Letchworth ran against each other just one time in the regular season. That was at the 1986 University of Florida Invitational, two weeks after Van Cortland Park. Here are some of the details of that race. Roger sets another course record, running 5K, not 3 miles, but 3.1 miles, 5K, in 14 minutes, 43 seconds. He beats Michael Laval. So going into the state meet, 
even though he lost to Laval in the 85 state meet, Roger has all these course records and has a win over Laval. But in the state meet, Roger and others were sick. According to Jeremy Duplissy, it was a sinus infection. True to form, even though he was sick, Roger didn't hold back early. In the boys' 4A race, Roger Letchworth of Countryside, the individual leader, passing the half-mile mark in 2 minutes 30 seconds. That's how the race started, but Roger fell off the pace, set by Laval, who ran just about all of the second half of the race by himself. His official time was just a shade over 15 minutes flat, 27 seconds ahead of second place Ken Gamber of Winter Park, and a minute ahead of Roger. We go to the state meet, and I'm coughing up blood, not as bad as Roger. Roger was deathly sick, and he should not have run. He should have won the meet, right? He's better than Mike Lavelle. He's beat him head-to-head, but he ends up finishing right behind or right in front of our our number three, what wasn't normally number three runner, Scott Lochran. Between the two of them, they were 17th and 18th. And Chip Backus had a great race. He finished fifth. But that's a big point swing right there. And then I was sick. I would have normally finished in the 30s, maybe, low 30s. I finished like 45th or something like that. Countryside is going for the repeat. But Leda was healthier and deeper that day at the DeLand Airport. Remember that place? And the long red row pulled out another even-numbered year state title. It was their third in five seasons. Lato finished 3, 10, 13, 24, and 32. The runners, Dennis Moody, Chip Johannes, Steve Polk, Mark Heiser, and John Gleha. Largo finished fifth. Defending champion Countryside was fourth. Leto won the state title in 1986, but it was by no means easy. Runner Trey Culbertson battled injuries much of the season. Also, number five runner John Gleha got off to a very slow start, kind of a dangerously slow start. He collapsed from heat stroke near the finish line of the Astronaut Invitational in September and was able to make it back in a few weeks, but obviously that put a damper on the start of Leto's season. The Long Red Row wore black armbands on their singlets in 1986. Those armbands were meant to honor a teammate who had died. Joel Biter had leukemia, and he passed away in September 1985. He would have been a senior on the 1986 team, and Dennis Moody was quoted in a Tampa Tribune article talking about Biter. We just have to endure 15 to 17 minutes of pain. He went through so much more in fighting leukemia. However good Leto was, they finished third in the region meet the week before the state meet, behind Largo and Countryside. Now that meet was at Osceola High School in Pinellas County. It stands out to me because, as circumstances dictated, it was my last high school cross-country race. I did not know it at the time, but it was. Here's the reason it stands out to Brent Haley, the son of Coach Haley. I remember one region meet where... Leto ran awful. Largo has just won the region meet. The long red row is not feeling so good as it prepares to get on the bus and head back to Tampa. They're sitting on the curb after the race, and my dad just gave him a pep talk. That really set out. That's always left an impression on me. Coach Ennis doesn't remember that pep talk. He may not have been at the bus at that point. What he does remember is what he decided to do that very same weekend before the Lato guys even went back to school. In 86, I felt we had the best team. 
And Saturday night, the region meet was that morning. Helen and I went to dinner at the Haley's. They had us to dinner. And I can remember Brent, I think Largo won the meet and Countryside was second and we were third. And Brent being Brent was totally gracious and it's okay and you guys will be fine. And, you know, after they beat us and we, we were the better team. And then the next day, Sunday, I had the team come over to my house. We put up a big sign on our back porch where I was going to meet with our team. And on the sign, it said, congratulations, state champs. And I said, okay, we're going to start at the state championship, which is next Saturday. And if I told you right now that y'all were state champs, how would you treat this week? If you knew in your mind that you're positively state champs, how would you approach this training week? And they go, oh, we'd be, we'd be all excited. And we'd be, you know, I said, well, that's the week we're going to have. We're going to be state champs, and every day we're going to enjoy it. We're going to enjoy practice. And it was the most positive week. It started with all the guys coming into my house, you know, dragging heads down, because it was a big upset. We should have won, and we got beat. We got beat by Largo and Countryside. And from that point on, it became a great week, and we ran well with the state meet. Yeah, I mean, you were state champs by 18 points. You were definitely the best team that day. I'm not one to pat myself on the back and say this was my best coaching job because we had the best team. You should win when you had the best team. But it was one of the best moves I made because I came away from there feeling worse than the kids did, I'm sure. And I just thought about it. And I said, if I'm a kid, you know, what do I do? Then I had to go back to school on Monday. They were supposed to win. We were ranked number one the whole bit, and we got beat. You know, the kids are, you guys were third? Well, what happened? You know, so they had to go through all that. So I just took it the other direction. This transition, I guess, is going to be some mid-episode comic relief. It's Coach Ennis recalling a time he was getting his team ready to run in the Countryside Invitational. It was Brooker Creek Park back in the day was the name of it. And Largo was there, and we had a pretty good team. And we were, I think Brent, who did the state rankings, had us ranked first and second, always putting us ahead of them. So we're going into the meet, and we're warming up, and he's over there behind some uh, palmetto bushes talking to his team. He's got the varsity gathered, all seven kids around him. He's telling them about the course. So I'm sitting there, and Brent's going, uh, now, guys, you got to get out fairly fast because once you get to the road, it's going to narrow down in a hurry. And then you're going to go on this trail back through the woods. So if you guys don't get out quick, you're just, you're just going to get buried. You're not going to have a chance. So with that, Neil, I go over and I gather my guys together. And I'm sitting there giving them the same word for word that Brent Haley had, I had just heard him say. And he didn't know I was standing on the other side of the Palmetto bush. So I'm telling my guys that one of my seniors says, Coach, why are you talking like Coach Haley? So if imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, there you go. On the girls' side, remember I said in Episode 7 that I'd be telling you more about how the season went for Milan Moffitt. She was a junior that year, but she started the season on the shelf. She had won two state mile titles in track freshman and sophomore year, but the summer between her sophomore and junior year, she suffered an injury. Been pretty lucky as far as injuries. Have you had yes, many? I, I never been injured. So. Never been injured. No. You know, a little knock on wood here. She had a stress fracture and she was out for several weeks to start the cross country season. It was just a rough year for me in general. I don't know why. It just was. 
my pace was off. Something was just off. I just didn't feel like my normal self. For a time, even when she was back fairly healthy, she was not the number one runner on her own team. That title belonged to a freshman. If you paid close attention to episode seven, you may have heard the name Jenny Soul's going to join the team when Mike Moore was interviewing Milan Moffat on Vision Cable. Jenny Soles had a stunning debut in 4A cross country. She had run the previous two seasons at Class 1A Keswick Christian, finishing in the top 10 as a 7th grader and then the state runner-up as an 8th grader. She wasn't new to the sport, but she began her Largo career by winning, in order, the Astronaut Invitational, the Lado Invitational, and the Countryside Invitational. She was tremendous as a ninth grader. Jenny Soles suddenly looked like a true contender for the state title that year. That astronaut invitational, her very first race as a high school freshman, Jenny Souls beat the defending 4A state champion Kim Bovis of Winter Park. Now, I included Jenny Souls' voice in the end of the episode about Milan Moffat as kind of a preview to this episode. She has elected to not be part of the podcast. It's a request that I will honor. So I'm not going to include her thoughts, but I am going to talk a little bit about how her presence helped Largo attain the number one ranking in the state. Looking back, Milan Moffat agrees it was tough for her to sit and watch as Jenny Souls was winning races. I guess if I was honest with myself, um, she did come on very strong. And so, yeah, she had a lot of success. So I guess, I don't know, maybe being out of commission, I guess, you know, as a 16-year-old girl... And I guess maybe, yeah, I might have felt a little threatened by it. But then again, the competitor in me is like, well, she's a challenge now. So I'm, you know, telling myself, all right, now let me step up to this challenge. So Milan Moffat eventually works her way back from injury. And she ended the season as the state champion. Jenny Souls finished third in a photo finish. Largo didn't quite have the depth that day to win what would have been the girls' program's first state title. As for the Largo boys, well, it's safe to say no one wearing one of those faded old singlets ran well that day in DeLand, including junior Pat McDonough, who hoped to be up near the front but finished 13th. I had a horrible race. It was awful. McDonough was so disgusted with his performance, he went out five days later and won the St. Pete Times Turkey Trot, a 10K on Thanksgiving Day. The only way I could think of redeeming myself was to run again. And the Turkey Trot was the next available race. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to run the Turkey Trot. I wanted to prove to coach more than myself that performance at state wasn't indicative of uh, my talent. As you'll find out, that performance was part of a trend for McDonough. He could make up his mind he was going to win, and no matter the opponent, it would happen. <laughs>